Hello and welcome to Politically Speaking. I'm your guest host today, Jason Rosenbaum. Chris McDaniel is on assignment once again. Joining me in studio is... Joe Manis. And, and Dale Singer. And our very special guest... Maria Chappelle-Nadal. Now, um, the senator has requested to be on the show after Representative Clem Smith was on our show last week. Um, he was obviously very critical of a recently vetoed school transfer bill. Uh, Senator Chappelle-Nadal was heavily involved in the formation of that legislation. In fact, as she was telling me before the show, a great portion of that legislation was actually legislation that she introduced at the beginning of the session. So before we get into the back and forth, I just want you to kind of explain your role in crafting this bill What was your impetus behind it, and what were the key points that you wanted to emphasize? Well, the first thing I want to state is that education has always been at the center of my life. Um, I not only serve on the University City School District Board, but I also represent 10 school districts within the Senate District, and I knew that in the district uh, we have several different schools that are fully accredited, and we have many that are in between, and we have a couple that are unaccredited. Accredited, as you know, that is Normandy and the Riverview School District. Mm-hmm. And what were some uh, what were some things of this recently vetoed bill that you thought were the most important things that you wanted wanted to emphasize that may have helped some of those struggling school districts? Absolutely. Well, the charge from the district is twofold. One, community leaders, they wanted to make sure that there was a Normandy School District in place at the end of our conversation. But number two, the charge to me was to keep their children local. That was very important to them. And so it was up to me to figure out how can I come up with a plan that addresses those two charges that the district wanted me to um, address in legislation. So I was actually saying a little bit at the end of the session that I started this in August of last year, and our researcher reminded me that I actually started last June after the court opinion came down, and I wanted to find out how I could be more responsible and engaging. I knew that it would be completely unacceptable to stand at the sidelines and just watch as the State Board of Education um, made decisions without any input from the legislature. So I delved into state statute as well as the Constitution to figure out what we can do versus what we cannot do. And over the course of the summer and in the fall, I started having meetings throughout the district with my mayors, uh, with other people in the district. I also had town hall meetings. And I invited your own Dale Singer to one of my events um, in October. And on November 5th, I had a virtual town hall meeting for everyone throughout the state, including superintendents from rural Missouri, to participate in my virtual town hall meeting regarding the bill that I was going to prefer file, which I did um, on December 1st. It was a very interesting meeting, too, because I know you had done a lot of research on it and uh, talked about how your own personal history uh, helped inform what you you wanted to do. Talk about that a little bit, because I think that definitely plays into what you uh, end up filing and what uh, you're talking about today. I will tell you that education was always a challenge for me. In fact, um, for the first eight years of my life, I had to take speech therapy from a speech pathologist. In fact, I was a student of the special school district for a number of years um, because I couldn't speak. And so with that challenge and having a district that um, was very supportive to the needs, the personal needs that I needed, um, 
education is a natural issue that I care about without the additional help and resources and a mother that was greatly concerned about my achievement level, um, without that in place, I would not have been a senator today. Now, uh, there's been a lot of controversy, as you know, about the bill, and there was a couple things that you and I had talked about during that last week of session, uh, as far as the fact that the final version of the bill had no money for transportation, so it was going to be up to the parents, and as Representative Smith pointed out, many of the parents of children in the Normandy District can't even afford a lunch. So how are they going to afford to pay for their kid to go to the next district? I was interested in what was the development of eliminating any state or district money for transportation and what was the thought behind it. Rick Stream, who's the budget uh, chairman in the House, had told me that he had actually opposed that and wanted to have state money. So I was interested in your take on what happened and why. Yes, and that wasn't part of the that wasn't a part of the legislation that I spent most of my time on. I will tell you when we were under the DSEG Act, um, the state paid for all transportation. In the legislature that we are in right now, I don't see the state paying for all of the transportation. So that's a difference. I believe the way that we did not take any money away. What we said is that the school district may use their transportation dollars as they see fit. And so that is a local control issue. So right now, there are some proponents um, who were in the debate who wanted 100% of all transportation to go for every single student that transfers to whatever school district. If my call was to ensure there is a Normandy school district, we could not spend, Normandy could not afford to spend for transportation costs for every single student that decided to transfer out of that district. So what we did, instead of having a shall, we had a may, because we believe, I believe, that the local school board should, should have the ability to set priorities on where they want to spend their transportation dollars. So transportation dollars were not taken out of the bill. The language specifically says it may decide how it's going to use their trans- their transportation dollars. So the provision that people have been operating under for this past year that a sending district would designate one district to which it would pay for transportation, is that part of the law? Is that part of the court's uh, decision? Is that part of the DESE rule? Where did that come from? That is an existing law, um, and that is something that the court also supports. Our language in the Senate Bill 493 does nothing to impact that. What we're saying is we want the local school board or any future governance structure to prioritize how they want to spend transfer dollars or transportation dollars for their transfer students. Now, before we get in, before I get into some of the specific aspects of the bill, I want to ask you very directly: If your bill and this bill had become law, do you think it would have made it harder for people in unaccredited school districts to transfer out of their districts, or do you think it would have given them more choices? Because it would have given them more choices. And why? Here, here's what people don't understand: We actually create a hierarchy, and let me start with the first idea that the St. Louis senators agreed to. Right now, in the state of Missouri, what we accredit 
full districts. We accredit full school districts. What we decided in Senate Bill 493 is to accredit individual buildings. Now, we already get that data. As a school board member, I can tell you there are two sets of data that we get every single year, one for every single building and one for the full district. So under Senate Bill 493, we decided to accredit individual buildings. Let me tell you why this saves money. So we know that half of the schools in the Normandy School District are accredited, but the other half are not accredited. If we are reducing the number of students who are able to transfer out, one, less a less number of students would go and transfer to other districts. We wouldn't have that boundary um, or that, that barrier. The other thing that 493 allows you to do is if you are in an unaccredited building within a district, you can do an intra-transfer. So you can transfer to a building within the district that is fully accredited Mm -hmm. up until the point where class sizes meet the designation. That was going to be my question because I'm going to use St. Louis City as an example. I know they're provisionally accredited, but when I heard that, that idea, I just envisioned all the parents transferring from in my instance, I live in the 16th Ward. My son would go to Roosevelt High School, which I assume is unaccredited. How would it, that not just stop everybody from saying, I want to go to Metro, which is the best high school in America? And how would that not replicate itself in other unaccredited districts? Well, well, let me tell you about the hierarchy. Let me finish. Yes, continue. So there is a trigger. The trigger is at the point where there is not, if there's only one high school or only one middle school, in the case of Normandy, then your first option would not be an intra-district transfer because you don't have that option. So you have three things that open up. Under the charter school language that passed two years ago, any charter school can open up um, in an unaccredited district. We can go ahead and continue to transfer students as we are right now. The third option was a local private option where you can use a less amount of money, a lesser amount of money, to transfer a student within the district boundaries to a private non-sectarian school. That is by far the most um, controversial piece in this bill. However, there's several other things things that people ignore. I would also say the the private option, it has to be by a vote of the people. Mm -hmm. If the people decide that they do not want to have a local private option, then there is no local private option. But let's get back to the calculus again. Mm -hmm. Um, We are saving money on several different levels, and there are a lot of opponents who are out there saying that Senate Bill 493 does absolutely nothing. Well, one, by accrediting by building, we are limiting the amount of students who are allowed to transfer. And then we have a provision in the bill that says if you committed educational larceny in the year uh, 13-14, in that school year, you will not be allowed, I'll explain it, you will not be allowed to transfer out of the district. So let me tell you what happened. There were about 650 students who never lived within the boundaries of Normandy and never lived in the boundaries, within the boundaries of the Riverview School District. They got an address, never lived there, and took the resources, the financial resources of Normandy and Riverview, and then transferred. In this bill, it stops educational larceny. So moving forward in year 1415, in that school year, if it is found out that a student and a family committed educational larceny, they would not be able to transfer and they would have to go back to their home districts, which obviously we know was not Riverview and it was not Normandy School District. Now on the private option. One of the objections has been, aside from the fact that there really isn't um, 
a private school, if I'm correct, in the Normandy district There now. absolutely is not one. Right, right. Is that the amount of money that would be available for these payments is actually less than what uh, a private school would be charging. Therefore, it wouldn't help the local kids because they couldn't afford to come yeah. up with the extra that's thousands an, of dollars. So can you explain all that? Absolutely. That's an argument that uh, my representative made last week yes, in your exactly. Politically Speaking show. And here's how I would counter that statement. First of all, um, we're spending local tax dollars that have had to have been approved by the local uh, voters, number one. Um, we know that in private education that um, – you know, you don't have to spend $12,000 for education. I think what the representative was referring to are premier uh, schools that are out in Ladue and Chesterfield. Uh, we're talking about schools that are willing to open up in unaccredited districts. Um, if anyone has any background in business, they know that you have to um, have have a I, I would say you have to market to the people that are within that area. And I'm pretty sure if there was a tuition uh, that looked like a Chesterfield tuition that no one would attend that. So um, it's the local money. And it's also another way to spend less money. Do you want to spend $20,000 to go to Clayton or do you want to spend $7,000 and keep your kid in the local neighborhood? Now, I want to ask something more philosophically because when Joe asked where the private option came from, I answered it was in your yes, original it bill. it was in my bill. And I think one of the reasons why a lot of people who have followed your career were surprised about that is in the past, you've been very critical of po political figures who have supported vouchers. You yourself have been critical yes. of, of Rex Singfeld, who yes. is the granddaddy of, of voucher policy, so to speak. And you are on, the, on a public school board. So, yes. so what prompted this about face to where not only are you not being critical of it, but you're putting it as a pretty, you know, prominent element in this bill. Absolutely. You don't get something for nothing. That's just plain and simple. Um, I am one person out of nine Democrats out of 34 senators. And so um, we know the legislature, because it is so Republican, they could do whatever they want to. So I knew I would have to give something as narrowly written as possible um, in order to get what I really needed to help the Normandy School District. The charge was, one, to keep a Normandy School District, and number two, to keep kids close. And let me tell you about the process in this. Since we started last June. We started this last June trying to understand the DSED program at a nine-page uh, briefing on how that worked. We had to call people from 30 years ago to understand the inner workings of how the DSED program worked because I wanted to get that background. We have worked with Democrats and Republicans, urban and rural. I have had meetings and telephone calls at 5 o'clock in the morning, at 3 o'clock in the morning, and I can tell you I've had a couple of meetings with Senator Emery at 7 o'clock in the morning. The entire time, the governor has said nothing. He's never had a plan. He still doesn't have a plan. For us to come together as we are right now is pretty miraculous. We had a vote of 28 to 3. In the Senate. In the Senate. And the vote was, I think, 89 to 66 mm -hmm. in the House. Let me remind you, both of those votes are more than the votes that were gathered um, for the foundation formula fix in 2005. Although uh, Speaker Jones told me Friday night that he doesn't see any way that he's going to be able to get the additional 20 votes needed to override the veto. I mean, so because he would need 109 in the House. And uh, that's the first time I 
you know, on different bills, he's, you know, talked about whether or not they had the votes or if they could get the votes. That one is one of the few times where he said up front, it's it's not going to happen. Well, I mean, we, we I won't be able to get 20 extra votes. You know, I'm hopeful. Um, the speaker and I have not spoken on this. Here's what I will tell you. If you looked at the votes for the emergency clause, you had 111 votes. There are three representatives who came up to me after the vote and said, I initially voted for it, but I decided not to vote for it, but just let me know. And so I can... I'm not going to tell you. Those okay, so, so you think that there may be twenty? Yes, 20 I think there's room. Votes. In okay. fact, in the conversations that I've had, there are ten people that I know that we can pick up. Um, and so, you know, I am. This is the first um, election year where I've not had opposition, and this is the issue that I plan to work on as I have for the last eleven months. Um, and I want to continue doing this. Um, here's the deal: the governor has been sitting on his throne. And he's been pretty much absent from the conversation. So just simply sitting on your throne and saying, I'm not going to support the local option, he just because um, people are telling him not to support it, there are so many other things that he's choosing to ignore. And let me give you a couple of fixes that we put in Senate Bill 493. The legislation dealing with charter schools two years ago, which the governor signed, well, his administration, his executive administration, did not figure out that there were two holes in the bill that cost money for formula districts and hold hold harmless districts. If you look at my original bill, I had two charter school fixes. For any public school district that chose to open up a charter school, um, they would be able to, the new charter school would be able to double count children. Now, if a charter school is opening in the first year and they're double counting children for the present year and the prior year, and then the school district is also claiming that prior year, that means that there are phantom students, there's phantom money being associated with that charter school opening. That takes away money from the formula. The governor's own administration did not find that mishap. Here's the other deal that the governor's administration did not find. The, because that charter school bill passed two years ago, it also left it open for the state to pay for any closure cost of a charter school. Now, I'm pretty sure after the governor um, cut the education budget $35 million in the last week, that knowing that there is not an adjustment for closure of a charter school, I think a lot of people who care about money from the formula going to the, their districts, this is a big deal. Here's the, And this is a bill that the governor signed. So not only is he turning his back on poor black children, but he's also turning his back on legislation that he himself signed that is not addressing the additional costs that come from the state. Let me ask you two questions about what you had said earlier about educational larceny. I mean, forever parents have moved to get a better public education for their children. It's Why is it not fair for them to move from wherever they were into Normandy so they'll be able to give their children a better educational choice? That's one question. Two, have, in the discussion about the bill, have you talked with the, any private schools? Because when whenever I've talked with private school uh, operators and private school deans or principals or whatever they're title is, 
often will say, we don't want any public money because we don't want any public strings. We don't want the government telling us what to do, so we're not going to take any of their money. Why, why do you think that uh, private schools will be willing to take money under this bill? Well, I've heard the same thing, but they're all religious schools. So while I was, I've been talking to private, public, I read in both private and public schools, not only in my district, but also in St. Louis City. I've gone to private schools and the KIPP school a couple of times in St. Louis City. So I've asked this question. And in the provision, in the bill, we say that you still, if you accept a student, if you're a private school and you accept a student that is a transfer student who is in the boundaries, obviously, there are five set of criteria that you have to meet. And so if a private entity is unwilling to do that, that that's one thing. But I've not heard once from any private institution that they're unwilling to have these five considerations that are state mandated apply to them if they accept transfer students. I will also say at the same time um, that every community is obviously different. Um, and there are people who, out, who are out there who actually care about the educational achievement of these students who live in the wrong zip code. As far as it comes to parents moving out of the district, hey, listen, my, my mother moved out of uh, St. Louis County, and I moved in St. Louis City just so I could be part of the DSEG program. I was a transfer student, but the difference between my experience and the experience of the majority of students that I represent is that my mother had the means to do it, and these children who live in the wrong zip code don't have any way of transferring out of the district. Now, um, one of the backdrops of this debate, I know that you and Senator uh, Jamila Nasheed had pretty harsh words for the governor at your news conference during the last week of session. Well, I covered the House debate where most of the um, St. Louis members of the legislature uh, especially the African-Americans, were very vocal in opposition to the bill. They had a big news conference on Friday morning, the last day that I was at, and they had some harsh words I would for say you and your fellow it got senator. Very, it got very personal. Not only yes. did Joshua Peters put out a press release that appeared to target you, but Representative Michael Butler made pretty direct light of Nasheed's educational background when criticizing the bill. So the, but, my, but continue. Yeah, yeah. so the, the point is, though, that there is— it, there's not like it's not a monolithic view. I mean, there's a big split within the um, House and Senate legislative Black Caucus on this bill. How do you? In other words, Senate. I mean, Representative Smith, who was on last week, is not the only one. He was just absolutely. One of them. So and here's what I would. What's say. your thought about all this? It is always healthy to have diversity in thought. It challenges us to think harder. And if you're not thinking critically and analytically, then you should not be an elected official. So I welcome all of those people who opposed it. And I even welcome those people who have been working for some of the unions and been have also been very vocal um, against the bill. I welcome their conversation as well. Um, you know, it, when it comes to Josh Peters, obviously, you know, he has an issue with me. I have an issue with him. But I will tell you, I believe in the First Amendment right, just like Republicans believe in the Second Amendment right. 
right, and I will communicate with all nine of my uh, state representatives. And in fact, not only do I communicate with them, I've had events in my district with all of the different state reps. Um, I've had events in my office. I could tell you last summer I had Tommy Pearson. I had um, as well as Sharon Pace, as well as Mary Nichols, as well as Margot McNeil. They knew exactly what my bill was going to be before I even filed it. So talk about getting personal. I know that you and Senator Nasheed had some very harsh words for the governor and some of the criticisms that you had go back 20 or 30 years in terms of what he did as attorney general uh, in as far as the uh, desegregation plan in St. Louis. At I know at that point uh, he was agreeing with some African Americans, including uh, former Mayor Bosley, who also had said that uh, maybe it was time that the program would either be stopped or be scaled back. I mean, is there is there a statute of limitations on these kind of things? I mean, are you, how, there should be. I mean, I'm, as far as your criticism of the governor, I mean, how how often can you bring that stuff up anymore? I mean, and 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 to be fair, Representative Lacey Clay was in the Senate at the time and was one of the key players in coming up with a bill that phased out. We'll get to that in a yeah. second. Yeah, but, but the point being, that's another issue that splits the. Um, yeah. Well. Again, I believe in diversity of thought, um, and anyone who can bring anything substantive to the table, um, I welcome them as well. I've been at the table for almost a year. The governor has not been at the table. Um, If you ever want to criticize someone or a piece of legislation, have an alternative solution. Any of the people, not one of the people that I have communicated with um, who are opposed to the bill, have an alternative solution. So if you're going to criticize, have a plan in place before you speak out. Now, I I wanted to just ask a a question dealing with the governor's opposition to this, because if you go back to the 2008 campaign, he made a big show about how he was opposed to tuition tax credits and vouchers and promised to basically be a backstop against that if he was elected. Knowing that, was it a wise idea to put in the private option if it was pretty well established he was absolutely opposed to it and and let me just tell you something let me tell you about the process and let me tell you about compromise Mm -hmm. if you're willing to come to the table and offer quality discussion um, and ideas then come to the table when you come to the table in the 11th hour people are not going to take you as seriously and let me remind he may be the democratic governor he's not been a democrat 70 percent of the time He's much better than zero, but he's been the Democratic governor for 70 percent of the time. I will also say that, um, yeah, we disagree on this issue. But again, let's go back to I am a black woman. I am one of three black women in a Democratic caucus of nine people out of 34 senators. And the bill that we are we are debating right now is essentially my bill. It took an incredible amount of compromise with other people, Democrat, Republican, urban, rural. When the governor shows that he can compromise and roll up his sleeves and do the hard work and use some elbow grease, then I'll listen. So you've got 135 pages in the bill. You've got a lot of good things that you've mentioned everywhere from parent portal to, uh, you know, not, retention of students who aren't performing. 
I believe Senator Nasheed used the phrase, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Are you throwing the baby out with the bathwater if you're insisting on having private option? That means all these other good things aren't going to happen? Absolutely. So here's one other fix that, <laughs> that you guys are going to be amazed by, and then I'm going to talk to you about my amenities. The one additional fix that we are adding in this bill deals with the um, independent school district. And when the independent school district decided to annex a portion of Kansas City school district, you get that local revenue into the independent school district. Well, surprise, surprise, that's about $10 million every year going from that that old Kansas City territory into the independent school district. What is supposed to happen at that point is an adjustment with the amount of money that comes from the formula. So essentially, the independent school district is getting a windfall of $10 million. Now, because there has not been an adjustment to the formula um, to, to adjust for that additional $10 million, not only are hold harmless school districts being denied additional foundation formula money, but also strictly formula school districts, that is a provision that we put in this bill. For the governor to turn his back on the three fixes that we have corrected, two of which are on his clock, on his watch, then that means that he does not care about the amount of money that is supposed to be equitably distributed throughout the state. Again, for him to ignore his administration's lack of understanding and the voids that were presented in the charter school legislation passed two years ago, which would financially put the state on the hook, and then again, he's cutting the education formula by $35 million, and then he's going to also turn his back on the additional $10 million that's leaving Kansas City, going to the independent school district without an adjustment to the formula is absolutely absurd and reckless leadership. But again, there are a lot of good things in the bill that you've cited. Are they worth giving up absolutely. If, you can't, if, you can't giving, if you can't get the private option? So here's what I would tell you. Some of the amenities in the bill that are a big deal to me, teacher swap, that came from a teacher. The idea of a teacher swap where teachers in unaccredited and accredited districts can communicate, collaborate, and do professional development together. We also added millions of dollars for wraparound services for children who have mental health needs in unaccredited districts. That's a big deal. We also said that we have to have home visits. There's no policy in the state that says you have to have home visits with students and parents to understand um, what the communication and the expectations are. In the bill, we offer free tutoring. We also have special funds for a parent portal. Um, we have a parent portal in University City School District, and I know it's really expensive for St. Louis City School District to have a parent portal. Um, we also have a, stu- a transfer, a transient student modifier, which is a calculation to account for poverty within these districts. Normandy School District, they have a transient population of 57%. We have a calculation in here that makes an adjustment to MSIP 5 to account for the level of poverty in these districts. So, so why not pass a bill with all these great things in it and leave out the private option, which is why the governor apparently says he's going to veto the bill. Well, let's go back to compromise. If the governor, I'm willing to compromise. I've proven that I'm willing to sit down with Republicans, with people who I've had 
philosophical differences with for years, roll up my sleeves, do the work. I haven't seen the governor do that. He doesn't have a plan, and he's unwilling to compromise. If he wants to come to the table, come to the table. And furthermore, I'd say, if the governor would like to to have a, an open, live debate with me over Senate Bill 493, I welcome him to have an open, public, transparent debate over 493. Now, um, okay, all this said, as far as what's in the bill, the facts are the governor says he's going to veto it. Uh, the Senate leader, Dempsey, is pretty confident he has a number to override. The speaker is not. Uh, the issue now is whether or not, A, you spend the summer trying to get those extra 20 votes in the House, or B, you press for a um, special session, which is what some of the legislators, in fact, who even voted for or against the bill on the floor. There were some on both sides in the House who said whatever the governor does, he needs to do it quickly so we can get a special session. So that's the backdrop. Regardless of what's in the bill, here's the dilemma that you're in now. So what do you do? Try to get the votes to override, work for a special session to come up with something different, or what? I would say to that, Joe, do the math. If you think you can pass the bill out of the Senate or the House without any compromise on reform, then you're in la-la land. Um, I, I just want people to think realistically. Um, and I don't think the governor is thinking realistically. He's already shown that he has faults on legislation that he's already signed. And if he is willing um, to, as Senator Nushi, throw the baby out with the bathwater, then you know what? I would say to the governor, hey, governor, look down at your hands. I want you to look down at your hands. Notice the blood, because you know what? The blood is now on your hands. The legislative body has made a decision. We have made a determination. This is the only governor who has control of the state board of education. He has either appointed or reappointed the majority of people on the the current state board of education. And you have to ask yourself, if you're Normandy residents or if you're Riverview residents, do you want the state board, Nixon's arm for education to make the determination of what's going to happen to your district. And if you are a, a borderline district to any of those districts, do you want the Normandy district to lapse into your district, impacting your full accreditation? So is this what, what you're looking at? Is just leaving it things the way they are and not having another bill? I mean, potentially, and then just letting things go as they are? I mean, let, let me tell you, the way that the... I, I'm actually proud of the process that we've gone through. This is historic for Democrats and Republicans. I mean, I'm far to the left, and I'm working with people. Some of my best allies in this are way to the right. And we there are things that I don't like in this bill. What I've told my constituents again and again, you either get 70% or you get zero. And if you want to fight for zero, go ahead and fight for zero. But if you want to do something, again, going back to the charge that I was given by my constituents, if you want to keep Normandy in place and if you want to keep your students local, let me come up with something. And it's been 11 months since I've done that, and I don't see an alternative plan. Now, this was the question that I posed to Representative Smith that you specifically wanted to respond to. I think this is the critical aspect of here. Absolutely. Because this bill is vetoed, and let's just assume that there is no replacement for it, the current transfer law stands, which means when when and if St. Louis City loses accreditation, you have a possibility of a transfer situation that will dwarf Normandy or Riverview Gardens. I mean, for, for Clayton Lindbergh, mm-hmm. 
Webster Grove schools, thousands of city people will almost well, certainly transfer. Wouldn't it transfer. be a kind of a replay of the DSEG program? Absolutely. But so, so my basic question is. Except, except Joe, the districts and the, the receiving districts wouldn't have any say. Yes. Correct. Whereas, Correct. Whereas Correct. 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 Have a say. Be that Absolutely. as it, be that as it may, do you see anything happening with this transfer law? Until that point happens. Well, let me tell you, Senate Bill 493 brings order to a chaotic situation. By vetoing this bill, not only, as Dale mentioned, are receiving districts not going to have any say, but I will also tell you that the children will have limited opportunities and probably be going as far uh, as far as they want to go. There are two students right now who go to school in Jeff County schools. It's one of the neighboring districts. That is the decision that the parent cho- chose to make. So if you are interested in saving the Normandy and Riverview school districts, you will see Senate Bill 911, while not perfect, but a compromise and um, an outcome of a lot of hard work by a lot of people who have a lot of differences, um, you will support the bill. I mean, it's just, it's unfortunate that people have worked um, really, really hard on this measure. And then the governor used by a stroke of a pen, he vetoes and ignores the hard work and the compromise. This is all about measured balance. There is no way that I see a comprehensive piece of legislation that impacts the entire state of Missouri being vetoed and the blood not being on the governor's hands. And the blood is also in the hands of those state board members of education. Now, one more question before we wrap up here that I think you also wanted to touch on. One of the people that opined on this veto was U.S. Representative Lacey Clay, who Joe mentioned was in pro- was involved heavily in this original transfer law. I covered all that stuff now, 20 years ago. Now, it is so no secret that you and the congressman are not allies or friends by any means. Um, so I was not particularly surprised that he opined on the side of the governor. But what was kind of your reaction to it? And why do you think he even got involved in this issue? Okay. Anyone who has ever taken a political science 101 course knows about cheap politics. And here's what it is. The governor needed someone who looked like me to oppose the Senate bill. So what did he do? He got the president from the Columbia, Missouri chapter of the NAACP to voice opposition to a bill that impacts uh, St. Louis County. The St. Louis County NAACP has stayed silent for the most part, and I've been in communication with them all along, and they've said that measures in this bill are really good. So, you know, he also needed Lacey Clay. And, you know, um, Representative Clay can say whatever he wants. It's, I believe in the First Amendment. But um, it's not going to stop me from saying and doing what I need to do. Um, if you're hanging out in DuPont Circle nonstop and you're not at home on the weekends, why should I be listening to you? I've been going to every single meeting that the public has had um, when it comes to the Normandy School District. And for any what I mean, political Science 101 says, for cheap politics, find someone who looks like your opposition to say why your opposition is wrong, and then that will give you a little bit more credibility moving forward. And that's what the governor is doing. It's cheap politics 101. Anybody knows about that. It's completely transparent. Do you you think he might have gotten involved because he sees you as a potential threat to run against him in two years? Listen, I want to have a family. I have put um, public service first. 
And it is more important to me um, to be in a committed relationship, to be in a loving relationship, um, and just see how everything else falls. But that's very important to me. And there are a lot of people who are out there who say that I'm going to run against him, but nothing in the world means more to me than to having a family. Okay. Well, I think that just about covers it, unless you have anything else to add. Um, Again, here's the one thing I want to reiterate. I welcome an open debate with Governor Nixon over Senate Bill 493. And in addition to that, I welcome an open and transparent debate about the actions of his arm of the State Board of Education and how they have behaved in the past and how they will behave in the future. And the governor can even name the place and the time after his stroke of the pen. You heard it here, folks. Or you heard it here first, folks. (laughs) So to close us out, you can follow all of our coverage at stlpublicradio.org. You can follow me on Twitter at Jay Rosenbaum. You can follow Joe on Twitter at? Jay Manis. That's J-M-A-N-N-I-E-S. You can follow Dale at? At Dale Singer, D-A-L-E-S-I-N-G-E-R. And you can follow the senator at? Maria Chappelle in. We'll be back next week. Until then, so long.